where it was almost kind of like the best case scenario would have been uh, something like the Mountain West or something along those lines. All right, we got Chris Hammer from 24-7 Sports on the Matt Mosley Show, who uh, a man who's done all sorts of research on this transfer quarterback era uh, and how it's accelerating. Chris, welcome back to the, uh, the Mosley Show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Sorry I'm a minute or two late. T-Mobile decided that my office was a network dead zone all of a sudden, so I apologize on that one. No, no, it's, it's okay. We knew we would find you uh, uh, eventually. I mean, we'll always find a way to get you on. We'll Zoom you in, whatever we need to do. But now this had to be – now, Chris, and by the way, congratulations. I think I saw the other day there was an announcement that you had re-upped with uh, 24-7 sports, and uh, that's uh, – in this day and age, Chris, it's kind of uh, where people are kind of going the wrong direction with uh, some of these jobs in the media. Uh, that's something to be celebrated. So congratulations on uh, on that front, sir. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very fortunate. 24-7 Sports is a great yeah. place to work. And, uh, yeah, uh, definitely definitely on the right side of it in the media. We don't always get wins, so I'll, okay. I'll take it where I can get it. They didn't report the numbers on that deal, but I hope there was a lot of guaranteed uh, uh, money involved and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, anyway, we won't share any of that. Now, the, these projections that you put together, um, this is pretty amazing. 43 of the 69 Power 5 starting quarterbacks, 62.3%, including Notre Dame, um, will be will have, have it transferred at least once. Uh, and, and that number, as you noted, could go up even more. I mean, I, I guess, Chris, sometimes we think, well, this thing is going to plateau or the numbers are going to go down, and they only continue to go up because these teams have a ton of success with these transfer quarterbacks. And as you noted, I mean, that's pretty amazing. How many of the uh, Heisman candidates, is it four out of the last six, have actually been transfer quarterbacks? So it makes sense that we're only going to continue to see those numbers go up. It's kind of like you go, you can go find a free agent quarterback with experience, um, and that's what teams seem to enjoy now more than just like developing a freshman, which was the old model. Yeah, I mean, unless you're getting like the top-of-the-line five-star recruits, um, so you see Ohio State starting a homegrown talent this year, Georgia's going to start a homegrown talent this year, um, a couple other schools like Clemson with K Club Nick, a guy so that was from down the road at Austin Westlake. They're all starting um, high school recruits, but like if you're unless you're getting one of those, like unless you're getting one of those like top tier guys, why not go in the portal? Um, there are ton because because of the extra eligibility that a lot of guys have with COVID. You have guys like Bo Nix who are transferring for their fifth and now sixth college football seasons and experience is paramount at quarterback. There's nothing more important. You have to have those reps on the college level to understand defenses, um, understand schemes that you're in, um, really kind of feel out the college game. That all matters. And why would you take, I mean, if you're in this competitive environment where you can get fired in two or three years, if you don't have your team in the right order, why would you risk that for an unproven guy um, out of high school when you could just go dip in the portal and get an experienced starter to plug and play? And I think you're seeing a ton of teams take that approach. And this article was just about the Power Five, but this is just as true in, true in the Group of Five level too. It's happening across the country. Um, 
younger quarterbacks aren't playing as much simply because there's always experience in the portal and teams are using it. I was just sitting here trying to think of like where Spencer Sanders is now. Like I, I like I can't get through that through my brain. He was at Oklahoma State for so long, and I remember seeing it and thinking, "Well, that's weird." You know, that's an interesting spot for him. Um, I mean, I, it's just kind of wild as as you see these guys move around, um, like like uh, Alan B- Bowman. I mean, he, it's like, wait, where's this guy? He used to be at Tech. You know, went out to Michigan, and and then you 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 kind of you have to. I mean, I'm sure as you were putting this list together, another Texas Tech quarterback, Donovan Smith, now at Houston, probably will end up being the starting quarterback for Houston. Um, it, it was it. I bet it was kind of a fun exercise for that very reason. You probably had a few moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I I'd forgotten that guy was there now. Yeah, I, I remember getting Sports Illustrated every year and really enjoying the where are they now issue, you know what I mean? Just getting to read about guys that were good 10 or 20 years ago and what they're doing um, and all their unique like that. I, if you think about it, Oklahoma, uh, when Lincoln Riley was there, um, had a ton of quarterbacks come through. They're going to have four starting quarterbacks, four former Oklahoma Sooners will be starting this year, If I guess if you count their current ones. You've got Caleb Williams at USC, You've got Chandler Morris at TCU. You've got Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, and then Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. And I, I might even be missing one. I really feel like there might be five. But if you just kind of think about that path for some of these guys, like there's really there's really no wrong path as a quarterback right now. You could you could go somewhere and play where you think you have a chance right away, and we see some younger guys do that and get opportunities early, or you could go to a stack quarterback room, wait a year or two, and you're always going to have an opportunity. Um, people are always going to be looking for experience in the portal. And that's what we've seen. And you mentioned the funny thing is like, you mentioned Spencer Sanders. He was at Oklahoma state forever. Like I don't think Oklahoma, Spencer Sanders is going to start for Ole Miss this year. He's going to lose wow. that job most likely to another former transfer in Jackson dart who came from USC. So um, <laughs> it's not always a guarantee when you're a transfer quarterback, but um, schools are always looking for him. That's why I couldn't find his name on your list. As I was bringing that up, I was like, wait, where is Spencer Sanders? And I, I, and I did remember that the other day at Ole Miss. Uh, I, I was just doing that exercise with former Baylor quarterback uh, commits and players, and they're all over the map. Kyron Drones, I think, is, is maybe at, like, Virginia Tech. Aaron, jump yeah, in if that's yeah. wrong. Yeah, and and so he you don't have him starting this year. Jacob Zeno will start for I think UAB. Um, Gary Bo now at a yeah at yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's kind of that, yeah. I've I've, I've been uh, very excited to kind of see how he would do. Gary Bohannon at um, at South, South Florida. Florida. Zach Pyron once committed to the Bears for 2022. You have him as a possible starter at Georgia Tech. I mean, that, that, and we just um, – how many is that? Four? That's four quarterbacks, co- you know, connected to the Bears. And then C.J. Rogers used to be on the roster. I think he's at Texas State now. And, Chris, I have no idea what their quarterback room looks like. But, but even just a team right off the top of my head, I could throw out five quarterbacks that have spread off uh, around the country for the Bears. And, and, and now – Chris, you can miss on these these freshman quarterbacks and still be okay. The Bears have not had a freshman quarterback since, like, 
drones in 2021. And then before that, of course, Shapin comes in. I think he would have been part of the maybe the 2020 class. The Bears have not brought anybody to campus as like a freshman, you know, full scholarship type player. They missed it on 2022. They, they, uh, Novasad flipped on them. And I, I think they're hoping they get one of these freshmen shows up in 2024. And I think that kid's name is Bennett, maybe Drew Bennett or something like that. But it, that, you know, there, there's a test case for you, Chris, as these teams, some of them will go years at a time without landing a freshman quarterback. That's kind of crazy. Even though we're getting more and more used to the portal, it's still kind of wild to think that that's happening. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know Baylor would have definitely preferred to keep Austin knows that um, on campus. But, like, I mean, Baylor rebounded by getting Sawyer Robinson from Mississippi State, and Sawyer was a former four-star quarterback himself. I believe he is only in his second year of eligibility at this point, maybe third. But these guys... These guys have so much eligibility in this era mm-hmm. of college football, and there are just so many arms out there. Like You don't necessarily have to take a high school one. I think Wisconsin's a great example. Wisconsin's whole depth chart right now is transfer quarterbacks. Like They switched to an air raid system this offseason away from uh, the grounded pound that they used to do, and Wisconsin had to remake their quarterback room, so they took Tanner Mordecai um, from SMU as their starter. They took a backup quarterback from Oklahoma who was a true freshman. They took another one from Mississippi State who was a true freshman. And now they have a really deep quarterback room with two former four-star recruits and an established starter, and it all happens via the transfer portal. So you can remake your quarterback room in an instant. So it's not – I would say it's not as penalizing now if you miss on that guy that you were recruiting for two years out of high school because there are just more options than there ever have been to replace him. Chris Hummer joined the Matt Mosley Show, ESP in Central Texas, 24-7 uh, sports. And, man, just looking at some of these uh, quarterbacks, uh, I, I think of Shadur uh, uh, Sanders, Dion's son, going to Colorado, and then all those Colorado transfers, and you've done a lot on that. As we get closer to the season, do you have any feeling – for what kind of team they could field. I mean, we're looking forward to, I think that's a Colorado-TCU matchup that happens pretty early in the college football season. Maybe even, was that week one, Chris, or is that week two? I know we're kind of excited about that one. Is that week one? Week one at, a, week one at 11 a.m., yeah. I'll be, I'll, wow. be, I'll be at that one. It'll be Nice. Nice. Do you, or do you have any sense, like, they can't be much worse than they've been, right? They went one in 11 last year. But, like, as this thing starts to come together, you're familiar with a lot of these players who transferred out and transferred into Colorado. Are you still just kind of in the dark about, like, could Colorado win six games this year? Like, would you be shocked if they went from one win to six wins? Uh, and I guess you probably wouldn't be shocked if they only won three games. Where, where are you with the with the buffs? I think three is a much more reasonable number to project than six. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be that great. Um, they're definitely more talented than they were last year. Like unquestionably, they're much better at quarterback. They have better skilled talent. But I think where they'll struggle is they don't have a ton of depth along either line of scrimmage. So if they get hurt, um, I think Colorado's really going to struggle um, to maintain when they lose key pieces up front on both sides of the ball. Plus, like Colorado's schedule is just brutal they play 11 power five games this year 
I believe. Uh, they play TCU in Nebraska in the non-conference, and they have nine games in the Pac-12. And the top of the Pac-12 is as good as it's been in a long time. I mean, it, will, it won't be around for much longer, but it's really good this year. I think you've got six teams at the top of the Pac-12, both Oregon teams, Washington, USC, UCLA, um, in addition to, I'm blanking on Utah. you got six teams that legitimately think they have a chance to win the conference, and I think teams like Colorado are going to take it on the chin quite a bit this year, even though they might be better. So Colorado might be considerably better and still go 1-11 just because of how difficult the schedule is. Do you find yourself, Chris, getting even more excited about the Big 12? I mean, it's sad for some of these schools that don't have a place to go. But now, counting the four new schools, plus the additional four schools that are coming in, a 16-team conference. I mean, it's kind of all over the place, but there's some fun. BYU and Utah have that natural rivalry. They're good travel partners. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of excitement to it. I guess of those eight schools, Utah's the obvious most ready to come in and do some damage. Um, I think that's pretty clear. Now, after that, I don't know. You may have a better feel for that. I mean, I, it's, I think Utah won, and then maybe UCF, and then maybe BYU and Cincinnati. Is that how you would do it if you're thinking about these eight new schools coming in? Utah could make the most noise based on what they've done in the past in the Pac-12, and then it's just a little bit difficult after that to start lining it up? Yeah, I, well, that's what I, I – I mean, I'm, I'm certainly sad that the Pac-12 is coming to an end. I don't necessarily think it's a positive thing for college football, but just in terms of a, just in terms of a conference, like the Big 12 is going to be awesome because – what the league lacks is elite recruiting teams, but what it has is a lot of teams that have consistently outperformed their expectations over time. Um, and I mean, the fact that we're talking about TCU and Utah, which I think will be right there at the upper tier of the class of the big 12 is two former mountain West teams in the not so recent past. Um, as the class of the league just kind of speaks to where it's at, but it also means from week to week, like you're going to have to, I'm sorry. From week to week, anybody can beat anybody. I would not be shocked to see a single upset in the Big 12 because I think these teams are going to be so bunched up that it's going to just become fascinating from week to week. You might not have any cut-and-dry national championship contenders, but I think in terms of entertainment value on a Saturday and just like having fun watching teams that are competitive with each other, like the Big 12 is going to be much-watched television. Like, And over time, like maybe some of these brands become – brands like on a national level but in the short term i'm really gonna enjoy byu and utah being the same conference um i'm really gonna enjoy seeing ucf um and going to the bounce house once or twice and seeing them host people i think it's gonna be really awesome um I, but as terms of like feeling in the league yeah i throw houston in there too i don't think houston's gonna be there immediately necessarily but they have their roster ready to go arizona is on the rise um, but, yeah, I think it'll be Utah and UCF, um, BYU would be the teams I'd point to early. And I think mm-hmm. Arizona, um, the way Jed Fish is recruited, has a chance to surprise some people as well. All right. Did you pick Texas uh, like a lot of people did to win this last version of the the Big 12? Or were you leaning K-State? There's a sexy pick in there, and that's the Red Raiders. I saw somebody today had them like 11th in there. That might have been McMurphy over there with the stadium. Had Texas Tech 11th. Which way are you leaning as we get closer to the start of this season? 
I think if Texas fails to win the Big 12 this year, or at least make the Big 12 championship game this year, it would be a supreme disappointment. Um, and frankly, given their talent edge this year over the rest of the league, pretty embarrassing. Um, so I, I, I did pick Texas. I think I think if you look at that roster and the trajectory of the roster the last couple of years, Texas should be the class of the league. Um, I, I can't remember my I remember my top five being Texas, K State, Oklahoma, TCU, Texas Tech. I don't remember the exact order I had, but I think if I had to put a tier system in the Big Twelve, it'd be Texas, and then those next four teams as the closest contenders. I think all five of those teams have a legitimate chance to make the championship game and win the league. And then you've got teams like Baylor and UCF and a couple others behind them that I think could make some noise if things break right. But I need to see a little bit more as the season goes along. All right, Chris, I know you're, uh, you're going to be through town uh, soon. And uh, I've now thought of like seven other restaurants I might recommend, but I think I've given you enough. I'm not going to, I'm not going to add any more confusing names to the list. So uh, enjoy your dining options in uh, in the greater Waco area, uh, and appreciate you being on with us today. Absolutely, anytime. I'm looking. I'm looking to. Uh, I'm looking forward to eating some barbecue on your recommendations tomorrow. It'll be fun. Very nice. There he goes, Chris Hummer with 24/7 Sports on the Matt Mosley Show. Now it is time to move into. One of everyone's favorite.